Hello and welcome to the Cinema Judge. To all my regulars, welcome back. And if you're new to the show, welcome aboard. And if you do like the show, like it, share it, five-star it, whatever you feel comfortable doing, I'd really appreciate it. Now, if you're a first-time listener, this is our show in a nutshell. We love movies. We like to share movies. That's what we do. Because any movie is somebody's favorite movie. Consider us a movie oasis. The world is complicated enough. I'm not here to make it more complicated. This little sanctuary to get away from all of life's problems just for a little bit. We collect interviews. We put it together to make one giant infomercial. I give you the evidence and you make up your own mind. I'm not going to tell you not to see a movie or criticize Hollywood or actors. That's not my jam. I like movies and I like to talk to people about movies. And if that's your kind of you know game... That's what we're here for. Now, approach the bench today. We had the Disney Plus streaming show, Moon Knight. I had never heard of him. But after watching some of this show, I'm really, really liking it. And some people are telling me, hey, it's not very close to the the comic version. It's, it's diverting here and there. Well, that's, you know, creative license. And I have no connection to the original story. I'm just liking what Oscar Isaac is doing and Ethan Hawke is doing. It's a great cast, great directors, writers, and we have some really good interviews coming up. Now, here's a storyline in a nutshell. Stephen Grant discovers he's been granted the powers of an Egyptian moon god, but he soon finds out these newfound powers can be both a blessing and a curse to his already troubled life. But first, here's the trailer for Moon Knight. Hello, and welcome to Staying Awake. I have a sleeping disorder. I can't tell the difference between my waking life and dreams. Hello, and welcome to Staying Awake. I think I'm losing it. We'll catch you on. You're bloody useless. Stevie. Steven. <laughs> I can't tell the difference between my eyes and dreams. dreams. <gasps> Thank you. Lost the contact lens. Hope you find it. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god, you're alive. What's wrong with you, Mark? Why did you call me Mark? That must be very difficult. The voice in your head. Shut up! There's chaos in you. Whoa! 
embrace the chaos. Moon Knight has three different directors. Up first, we have Mohamed Diab, and he directed five of them. And I love this interview. He talks about growing up in Egypt and the whole adventure of trying to read comics from Marvel to DC. Check this out. It's great. I grew up in Egypt, and um, I got a glimpse of of, uh, uh, Marvel comic books. It was like a very hot commodity. It's very easy. Yeah, like you, you have to trade your soul to, to get one of them. But uh, we only got the superhero, the big guys. So we got Batman. We got Superman. I, I'm no, I'm no, I'm talking about DC. And then we got Spider Man, and we got Iron Man. Like those few. Uh, but I never heard of uh, of Moon Knight. If you, if that's one of the questions you're gonna ask. And um, but I've been a, a Marvel fan, and I've been dreaming about a day like this this is big to someone who just like grew up in a small city in egypt to be um a part of probably the biggest story that ever was told in uh, the world of cinema ever so to be a part of that and bring something of your own is is an honor and i'm really happy about it like i said wasn't that a great interview the guy's passion enthusiasm how much he had to work i mean imagine that all the way from egypt Coming here, making a Marvel show or Disney show, whatever you want to call it. That's just impressive to me. Up next, we're gonna hear from creator, co-writer, Jeremy Slater. And he just he's gonna talk about the writing process, about back when they were first starting, it was just them in the writer's room doing their thing and and how they feel about it. Again, this is just one of those interviews I just love getting behind the scenes of what well what it took to make such a show. It's very cool and very surreal for, for so long. The first like year of the process was just me and the other writers just kind of sitting in a little windowless room at Marvel and, and sort of fantasizing about this day. And, and back then we didn't know who would star, we didn't know what the costume would look like, any of that. So to be here and to see the billboards and the fans and their costumes, um, it's really exciting, it's really fun. I'm really excited for, for people to see that it's something different from the MCU. It's not. It's 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 similar to the MCU in, in the sense that if you liked everything that came before, you'll like this as well. But it, it definitely it's it's darker. It's weirder. Um, it, it it's very psychological, and and we really. Um, in the writer's room, we really tried to make it as sort of unpredictable and, and satisfying as possible so that every episode has big twists and turns and reveals and it goes to some pretty weird, unexpected places. Um, so I'm just excited for fans to get to go on that entire journey. Now, if you're a regular listener, you've heard me preach this before, but I'm going to keep preaching it and tell what happens, tell my dream comes true. I love what he said there. I love the process, hearing about it. That's your task, Hollywood, or anybody out there who wants to do it. Show me the process of getting a script done. Show show them in the writing room. Show them pitching the movie, going door to door, producer to producer, you know, working with directors and writing and watching that whole process, like watching the stuff up on the wall. Because you know, when they're in the writing, they have like a thing that they probably put ideas up on a wall, like notes, this, that, or the other. That's the show I could get behind and I know so many other people who would. To all of you big shots out there, do all of us movie geeks a favor and get that done. 
But coming up next, we're going to hear from Moon Knight himself, Mr. Oscar Isaac. Now, this guy is just a talent. From the TV show Scenes from a Marriage, the movie Dune, The Card Counter, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, the 2019 film Triple Frontier, and I could go on and on, but I love this interview. He talks about his first reaction about getting the script, and then the process he went through to find the character. So my first reaction to um, getting approached to play Moon Knight in the MCU was to look up who the heck Moon Knight was, because I'd never heard of him before. And um, and when I discovered, you know, that the, the comics that have been going back since 1975, his first appearance, I just found a very unusual, interesting character that is quite mutable. You know, he, he changes so much from artist to artist, from writer to writer, uh, who focuses uh, whatever they decide is the most interesting aspect to focus on. So it felt like there was an opportunity for a lot of freedom in creating uh, who Moon Knight was going to be for us. So I, I I did go back to the comics and research uh, how he's been depicted. In fact, I I got a bunch of different artwork from all the different comic book uh, comic runs and had them uh, pasted all around my trailer. Just so every time I was sitting in there, I was always surrounded by by those visuals that are just so so beautiful and and frightening. Um, and uh, and yeah, and so there, there was a lot of, you know, really what I took from that is, is in a way it was more the spirit of it as opposed to any plot points. And then for us, it was just about telling a real story that's about a journey through the uh, ID. And like you said, this mo- this show has so many elements that they're tackling. I mean, it's not an easy thing to tackle all these elements. And like he also said, I had never heard of this character, but what they're doing with him is just impressive. Now, coming up next, we're going to have a featurette. Now, in this featurette, we're going to hear several interviews. It's a pre-packaged deal that the studio sends us. In here, you're going to hear from Ethan Hawke, Oscar Isaac, and some other people just kind of just talking about this story and about what everything's involved. This chaos in you. The fun of Moon Knight is getting introduced to a new superhero in a new world. It's a real, legitimate character study. I can't tell the difference between my waking life and dreams. Moon Knight is a spectacular character. He's got an incredibly unique visual look. Our job was to kind of put a lens on the things that had the most uh, dramatic juice and ultimately take the mental health aspect incredibly seriously. I am Stephen. The way we're tackling the story, we learn about Stephen and then learn about Mark. What's wrong with you, Mark? Why did you call me Mark? And they're the same person. The tone is like Fight Club meets Indiana Jones. It's a bit dark at times. To tie it into something so vast and supernatural, it's amazing. Thank you. Every aspect of this show has a duality, and we've shifted the paradigm. For me, what's really exciting is that it's totally unpredictable. And like they said, the unpredictability of this show is very, very well done in the editing 
it's wow factor. The action sequences are so brilliantly put together. Breakneck speed. It's just things are happening. All of a sudden, bam. Oh, what's happening here? I I don't want to ruin anything. But if you haven't started watching Moon Knight yet, please give it a shot. It is such a well-made show. But coming up next, we're going to hear from co-director Mohamed Diab again. And this is just great. He talks about the pitch when he heard about the script. Him and his wife, business partner, they just said, hey, we got to do this. And this is just so cool. You put like together a 200-page pitch. How cool is that? From music to everything else. You know what? Here he is talking about it. I love this interview. Um, the moment I read um, the script of the show, uh, me and Sarah Gohar, who's my wife, my producer, my partner in everything, we decided this is for us. This is the project that we should pursue. And we put together this 200-page pitch um, that showed every oh, our passion about the project. And in a way, we felt like I know how to direct. We knew how to direct this all through. So we talked about location, tone, action, music, songs, um, uh, visual themes, everything that you can imagine a director would do. Um, and the moment we we finished it, I told Sarah, if we didn't get that job, something's wrong with the world. And um, ironically, we got the job. And it wasn't a surprise for me, even though I, I was dancing in the on the beach when I got the job, me and her and the kids. But um, that, that pitch is the show. Two years later, that pitch became the show. And I'm, sometimes I just like go back to it. And I'm just so happy that Marvel allowed me to bring everything Every crazy idea I had to the show is there now. And I can just picture that him and his wife and his kids on the beach, just jumping for joy when they find out that, hey, we can make this move the show. It's, you know, it's just a cool image in my head. Now, coming up next, we have one of those prepackaged featurettes. In this featurette, you're going to hear from Ethan Hawke, Oscar Isaac, and May, who plays Layla. Each one of them briefly talks about their character. When you look past the surface, what do you see? complicated man battling an inner conflict struggling for balance am i like some sort of secret agent it's a little more complicated than that force of strength wondering what the hell is happening around her steven mysterious figure worshipped exalted and you don't want to come face to face with his unworldly power marvel's moon knight is coming to disney plus trust me he's the one you'll see coming We're going to hear next from Oscar Isaac. In this interview, he talks about how excited he was when he, you know, when he got this role, about all the different characters he has to play. And then we're going to follow that up with a brief featurette, just talking about the idea of his character dealing with all this chaos inside of his head. I think what was most exciting about taking on Stephen Grant and Mark Spector and Moon Knight and Mr. Knight was that there was um, an ability to to use this you know, superhero genre and uh, Egyptian iconography, um, superpowers, all, the, all this kind of stuff that's, that's exciting and super entertaining. Um, 
and use those things to tell a very internal story. Um, this very, you know, deeply psychological, emotional story of this person uncovering the, the trauma that they lived through and finding a way to heal. I can't tell the difference between my waking life and dreams. It must be very difficult. The voices in my mind, in your head. There's chaos in you. Embrace it. Co-director Mohamed Diab is up next, and he's going to talk about what first drew him to this show. One of the things that really drew me to the show was um, portraying DID, which is Dissociative Identity Disorder, previously known as Multiple Personality Disorder. And um, I never get involved in a project unless I find the core, that, that the anchor that makes me as a human being want to tell that story. So I can stay with that project for two or three years of my life, give everything, sacrifice family time, sacrifice everything in, in my life. Usually in my films, they're about intimate stuff that happened to me or something that I'm really attached to. So I had to find that in Moon Knight. And DID was the thing. Um, shedding some light on, on the people who live uh, uh, the life who have DID, seeing life through the disorient, disoriented as they live it. And that was a challenge as a director too. Putting in mind, even though Marvel provided us with the greatest uh, advisors and we tried as much as we can to handle it with as much respect as we can, this is not an accurate depiction. This is uh, in a fantastical world. There are supernatural elements to it. But I would say I learned through this journey uh, a lot about DID. And um, I think the audience are going to learn just like me. And that's I'm really proud of that. And uh, by the end of the show, um, people are going to understand, like, it's not just like, as I thought before getting into the show that someone with DID would definitely have a hard life, but those blackouts and you can go on with your life. But no, even like the first episode, there is a scene when the, the Stephen is dating and even a small, the date can, has to go wrong because it's hard to sustain a life when you have DID. It's not easy. Now trying to make a show about DID, that's a huge task. Now, in this next scene, we have Oscar Isaac, who plays Mark. He's in an elevator, and he's, like, the doors open up, and it's a dark hallway. Lights are kind of flashing, and then he sees this thing walking towards him, and he's freaking out. He steps back into the elevator, crouches down. He's, like, all freaking out, and then, bam, the door stopped. But he looks up, and there's an elderly lady walking in, and he's crouched down there, and she's just like, oh, man, what's going on? And... He says, oh, I lost my contact and things of that nature. So it's just trying to shoot stuff like this. You know, you have to walk that line. And I think they nailed it. So here's a scene from Moon Knight. Thank you. I just uh, lost my contact lens. 
Hope you find it. Electrical problems in the building, isn't it? Always the same, isn't it? Are we back on the fifth floor? Yes, the fifth. My friend Claire lives here. I'm visiting her. She's expecting me. What's going on? This show has to balance so many kinds of movies all into one show, if you will. There's action, there's suspense, there's horror, you name it, it's in this show. Up next, we're going to hear from Ethan Hawke. Now, let's just look at his catalog. First and foremost, the 2001 film, Training Day, and then Before Sunrise, Before Midnight, Before Sunset, and he'll be in the upcoming The Northman. If you just look at his catalog, it is just monstrous. This guy is so talented. He's given us so many different kind of movies. Give it a look yourself. He has tons. But on this next interview, he talks about what first enticed him about this role. And then he talks a little bit more about the character and trying to develop it. And I'm just going to let these kind of run straight through because you'd rather listen to him talk anyway. Here he is. Um, You know, when I was first approached uh about this the immediate thing that attracted me to playing the part was oscar to be honest you know i'm just an i'm an actor first and i like other actors and feeling his passion and his enthusiasm for what he wanted to do with this and i knew what a big dare it was i mean you know it's like jumping off a high dive to play a new superhero in one of these giant shows uh and to play such a complicated character i just I liked the way that he was thinking and talking about it. And that made me want to do it. It's like joining a band. Well, that's the big trick about playing a villain is you, you really, I don't think you can play a villain. You have to see them as a, I played a saint, St. Arthur Harrow. You know, he was here to heal, heal the world. Come with me, brothers and sisters. We can do it together. So if you think of him as a villain, then you start mustache twirling and being diabolical or crazier. Uh, and, and that's less interesting to me. Well, like a lot of cult leaders, you know, megalomaniacs, whatever, I think his motivation is at first entirely altruistic and idealistic. I think he genuinely believes that the world will be better because of his actions. And he justifies any ends for his, any means to his end. Uh, and that's, that's where madness lies. In my mind, I, I really wanted the costume to uh, remind you of a monk. You know, I saw him as a true spiritual practitioner. He is dedicated to this crocodile goddess. He is serious in his commitment to her. The way that, you know, you might imagine the follower of any major of religions, you know, this a monk at the highest order, full of all the strange secrets that those spiritualists have and secret communions with the divine, at least that he believes he has. And I think that's what I just wanted from the from the hair and the whole costume is just to some kind of otherworldly monk. Listen, here's the truth is that when you have to walk inside the tomb of Alexander the Great and it looks like the tomb of Alexander the Great, I mean, people should pay money to go to these sets. These sets are better than any museum I've ever been to. They went through such lengths to copy real tombs and to have the walls hand painted and have the color blue be exactly right. These people were, it was unbelievable to watch them work. 
And I always felt like if you couldn't act, if you can't act on that set, then you can't act. <laughs> That's just a great interview, isn't it? Now we're going to play a clip. In this clip, we have Ethan Hawke who plays Arthur. Now in this scene, he's walking down this street and everybody, there's a ton of people out there. They're all like kind of parting the way as he walks through. He's like walking like he's this, you know, big shot religious leader or whatever you want to call him. <laughs> he nails this character. He is so good. So he gets there and he says, hey, who wants to come up here and offer themselves? So this guy walks up and, you know, he grabs his hand. And when he does, on his forearm, Ethan Hawke's character has like these scales, like uh, not scales fish, but, you know, the weight scales that they go up and down. If you put one on one side, it goes up and down. Anyway, these things are moving on his arm and they determine if that individual is pure or worthy, you know, to keep living or not. So when he says, you know, hey, you're, you have a lot of courage to do this because if the scales go against you, it doesn't end well. But here's that scene from Moon Knight. beautiful day. It's like we're in heaven. Only it's not heaven, is it? It's a darkness. Sometimes it hides in our very hearts. We are here to make the earth as much like heaven as possible. Who'd like to go first? You're a brave man. Offering your soul for judgment. Wanting to serve our goddess even before she wakes. I judge you in Amit's name with but a fraction of her power. This is the face of a good man. <laughs> <laughs> he nails that role. Now up next, we're going to hear from Oscar Isaac. And in this show, he has to act with himself because his reflection is often talking to him. But he has to play both roles. So I really enjoy this interview, talking about how he did that. Like, like he kind of says in here, the math involved, like which character do I want to do first, and all that other stuff. And then he talks a little bit about trying to depict people who have DID and doing that justice. And then he, after that, he talks about just everybody was so talented on the set, watching everybody at the top of their game, you know, just putting everything in, in for the show. I think the most challenging part of that was was the, the technical part of acting with myself. Um, because, uh, you know, something that, that an actor looks forward to generally is, is being able to be surprised in the moment and not knowing what the other actor is going to do. But not only did I know what the other actor is going to do, I had to plan very, very um, clearly what I was going to do and figure that out and map out, you know, figure out which character I wanted to play first and the blocking. And I had my brother there to, to read off of, and he's a really good actor. And so that was helpful, but it was the math around how to film those scenes was, was, was technically daunting. So the goal uh, was certainly to um, depict uh, the experience of living with dissociative identity disorder in an authentic way, in a, in a respectful way. 
Um, and to really make that the, the center of the whole series. Well, the, the thing with the, the production value, particularly the, uh, the production design that Stefania, I mean, the, those sets were just astounding. And the same thing with the craftsmanship of the, the, the wardrobe and all of the, 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 the creatures. I mean, every, every aspect of it was, was just so astounding. And for me, what it was, was inspiration. It was inspiring for me to see people putting all of their skill and passion into creating something that uh, had meaning. And so for me, it just inspired me to want to do my best and bring my best. Now, like you said earlier in that interview, he had to act with himself. In this next clip, he does that. He's standing in this bathroom, and he's looking at this mirror, and the shot is so wonderfully shot, and you need to see it to understand what I'm saying, but there he is standing in the, in the bathroom. Something is on the other side of this door coming after him, and he knows he can't beat it, but this guy in the mirror is telling him, telling him let me take over. It'll be just fine. You're not going to die. I got this. So it's that whole struggle of, can I let this guy take over? And am I willing to just be free? Steven, you got to give me control. It's the only way. You're not going to die. Let me save us. This show just has it all. I mean, like I said earlier, the music, the action, everything about it. I just enjoy it very much. Now, coming up next, we have the co-director, Mohamed Diab, talking about being from Egypt and how much he really wanted to make this show be authentic, not just a kind of a slap together, what they often sometimes do for movies shot there or depicting being made there. So I really love how he talks about this, about how much he really wanted and push, I want more authenticity. Anyway, check it out. One of the most important things that drew me to the project was that it takes place in current Egypt and it talks about Egyptology. Um, and I've been very keen and uh, onto how to depict that and how to share that with the world. Um, it was very important. Every, every Egyptian sees himself portrayed in the uh, world of cinema, always sees himself we call it the Orientalist way of seeing us, which is which means um, seeing us seeing us as exotic and women are submissive, men are bad, and um, all the tropes that you would think of. So it was very important for me to 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 have something completely different. I would tell you that my mom is the strongest person in my household. Um, that's why Layla, the character, is a strong woman. Strong woman. All my movies, I, the women are actually stronger than men. My wife is the one who's running the family. Uh, so uh, all those tropes, were, it was very important to break them. 
was very important to show Cairo as Cairo, because a lot of times it's not even shot in Cairo. And a lot of times you see it when it's shot in Cairo, it's shot in a way that shows us as just like a desert city, like the, the pyramids and the desert, and it shows us very primitive, even though if you just like panned a little bit, Egypt is in the middle. Cairo, I mean, the pyramids are in the middle of a two, 20 million people. A bit, Cairo, one of the biggest cities in the world, so urban, um, a place that has skyscrapers, everything that you would imagine in, a, in an urban, a huge uh, city that doesn't sleep. All that was very important for me, and all that was in the pitch. And um, I would say that Moon Knight was, uh, is a first step. And hopefully, if there's another iteration or I, I, if I'm involved in anything Moon Knight uh, uh, more, I would actually push it even to the dot more. Marvel was very supportive from the get-go. Layla herself wasn't completely Egyptian at the beginning, and they allowed us to make her Egyptian. They got us the expert. They got us Egyptologist. Um, anything Egyptian. I was like, Egypt, please. Anything Egyptian, I told them, they would push for it. We didn't shoot in Egypt, but they put a lot of effort and money into turning any place we shot in into Egypt. And no one would see the, the show and, and think this is not Egypt today. Now, speaking of sets, we have a scene for you now. In this scene, we have Oscar Isaac walking with Ethan Hawke. They're walking down the street and there's people all out there at, at nighttime talking and just having a good old time. So Arthur, played by Ethan Hawke, is just, you know, talking to Oscar Isaac's character. But while this is happening, up on a rooftop, the image that Oscar Isaac's character sees is watching. And it's just, it's, it's really wonderfully made. But here's that scene from Moon Knight. See, this neighborhood used to have the highest crime rate in all the city. There was so much suffering, so much pain. Good evening. Good evening, everyone. It was truly heartbreaking. Now, people don't lock their doors at night. They feel safe. Oh, Chase, are those the tomatoes? Oh, why, you have a green thumb. Wow, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. But you don't want to tell anybody. No. People don't want to hear good news. They'd rather cling to their fear, cling to their pain. Oh, you know? Yes. Wakanida. You all speak Chinese? Uh, Mandarin. We all aspire to learn three languages. So we teach each other. We share our knowledge. We're going to hear next from Mary Calamari, who plays Layla. And she talks about her character, about when she found out how she got the role, working with Oscar Isaac, and so much more. When I found out that I got cast in this project, I was, I had just done my chemistry read a few days earlier with Oscar and was waiting um, patiently. And my manager was like, have you heard anything? And I was like, no. And then she's like, well, I have. And I was like, what? And she's like, you got it. And we both cried. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. The reason I wanted to play Layla, well, I didn't actually get a lot of information about her prior to like booking or even after booking it. It took some time before I the information started to trickle in, but was that um, mainly that she was is Egyptian. And as an Egyptian person who also loves Marvel, that was like an obvious yes. <laughs> My approach to working with Stephen and Mark 
seeing as they're like the same person, but two different people was really, it was working off of Oscar because he, he just, he was able to really understand the characters and almost like become them that his whole physicality would change. And it wasn't actually a lot of work on my part. I would just work off of him. So it's really a testament to him. The parts of Layla that I admire are how resilient she is and how she, if she knows she needs to do something, she just goes after it. There, there isn't like all this like thinking and, and uncertainty. And that's something that I hope to take more from her. And then this, the places that we are quite similar, uh, we're both vulnerable and passionate people who, who, who like are, who fight for the people I want to say. It was extremely, uh, working with Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke was extremely intimidating at first. They've had so much experience and um, I really wanted to do the role justice. So I was scared at first, but then they were very, um, they were really good at empowering me and, and, and not only pushing me to take space, but I was able to watch them and see how they did it. And so they were, they ended up being these teachers for me on this project. We have another clip for you. Now in this scene, we have Layla confronting Mark slash Steven. And she's like, tell him, Hey, we got to go. But then the Ethan Hawke character, Arthur is like, all right, so be it. So he has this little staff that he has with him, and it has a little bit of power from like his God or whatever it is. And, you know, he slams it on the ground and then the ground starts to open up, you know, like an arm comes out from the ground, but they're up there running, fighting off people. And Steven slash Mark character played by Oscar is just like, oh, okay, well, what's going on? And she's trying to be, you know, trying to save the day because he's kind of a not very on the ball. Anyway, here's a scene. Summon the suit. Summon the suit? What are you saying? The suit. The suit. Then keep this safe. So be it. Let's go, let's go. We're going to hear next from May, who plays Layla, describing Moon Knight. If I could describe Moon Knight in one word, it's really like mystical in a way. And, and that might not be the thing that like stands out, but it just, it involves so much fine detail and like so much beyond what's being shown. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just came to me. Now coming up next, we're going to hear from Oscar Isaac. And I love this interview. He talks about his experience of working with everybody involved, how they all got together once a week and had dinner and sat around the table and discussed everything. I love it. Check it out. Yes. So my, my experience with Muhammad Diab and uh, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, uh, it was just 
a, a, a real collaborative team. Something we would do is every Sunday while we were even shooting, we would all have brunch together with, with the actors, with the writers, our wonderful producer, Grant Curtis. And we would talk through the episodes. We would talk through the scenes. We'd um, brainstorm. Uh, we'd all just get on the same page creatively of what is this story that we're telling. It was, it was really uh, the collective imagination. And so it, was, it, it just felt like such a strong team. And that's how you make a good show or movie. Everybody working together, talking together, not going to your trailers or whatever. Oh, I only show, show up for my shoot or my shot. No, they work together. I love that. Now, coming up next, we're going to hear from Ethan Hawke. And he's going to tell us what he thinks is so special about Moon Knight. The thing that's special about Moon Knight, to me anyway, is that you've got a story of a broken person and that this superhero's journey is actually about him learning to accept all the different aspects of himself. And once he does that, he becomes really powerful. And, you know, if, if you're at war with yourself, you're broken and you can't do anything. But if you can harness and love all the different aspects of yourself, as the Moon Knight does, then look out. If I had to describe Moon Knight in one word, it would be Moon Knight, because that tells you everything you need to know. Oscar Isaac is up next, and he's going to tell us what he thinks we will expect seeing this show. I think uh, viewers should expect to go on an incredibly wild ride. Uh, it is it is uh, an adventure story. It's a psychological thriller. There's elements of real horror. And at the core of it is this real um, deeply felt emotional journey of, of what it is to survive abuse and trauma and to heal from it. We're going to hear next from the co-director, Mohamed Dieb. And he says what I've been saying the whole time, the tone. It's so many tones in this move show. Sorry, I keep saying movie because I'm, I'm used to that. But that's what he talks about. It's like this movie show has so many different elements. Let him explain. Um, what I love about Moon Knight is that it's very hard for you to capture the tone. It's The tone is actually uh, a mix of a lot of things. The, 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 the show has comedy. The show has drama, very serious drama. The show has um, uh, action and horror. And one of the hardest challenges for me as a director is how to blend them all together and still feel, feel coherent. And it doesn't feel like bits and pieces of genres. And I think, um, I, and I hope we succeeded doing that. But if you, tell, if you ask me what's like the pitch, what, uh, I would say like this is Indiana Jones meets uh, uh, Fight Club. Well, I hope you enjoyed our in-depth look at Disney Plus's series Moon Knight. Now, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, any way to improve the show, let me know. Cinemajudge at Hotmail.com or go to Instagram, The Cinema Judge, or Twitter, Cinema Judge. I would love to hear from you guys. Let me know what I could do to make the show better because I can't grow if I don't know. But if you want to watch a TV version of this, go to Bloomington, Minnesota's webpage. That's BLM as in Bloomington, dot MN backward slash BTV dash shows. Then just type in Cinema Judge and a whole bunch of shows should show up. Now, everything from this point on is either me thanking you, the listeners, or just talking about a few things here and there. All you listeners all around the world, I hope my voice finds you well. 
for those listening, going to work, at work, sitting at home, doing the laundry, whatever it is, I love hearing from you and I love hearing how you listen to the show. It's so fun to know that some people listen in the daytime, nighttime, afternoon, or maybe even many months from now. You know, wherever, whenever, or whatever you're doing, this is for you. All my listeners from the United States, Germany, United Kingdom, Australia, New Zealand, Egypt, France, Mexico, and I had up so many more listeners listening to my back catalog, but this is just me thinking the last episode, because reading the ones that, you know, the new people who listen to the back catalog, that's impossible really to look at and determine, but everybody who does that, I really appreciate that, because hey, more listens, the more I move up the charts, and then more people could find the show with simplicity, if you will. So to every one of you, I mean, seriously, Germany, you guys are just turning out droves. Thank you so much for sharing. And if you are sharing or just listening in multiple times, that's great. I really appreciate that. Same thing with United Kingdom. Thanks for sharing or just thanks for listening. To Minneapolis, Minnesota, Berlin, St. Paul, Minnesota, Cottage Grove, Minnesota, Lark Hill, Wiltshire. Is it Wiltshire? I think it's Wiltshire. Atlanta, Georgia, Pasadena, California, Arlington, Virginia, Littleton, Colorado, Perth, Western Australia, Christchurch, Canterbury, Northfield, Minnesota, Holyoke, Mass, Detroit Lakes, Minnesota, and going back to Mass, thanks for listening every week, Massachusetts. See, I can barely say that name, but that's why I say Mass. You always listen. Thank you so very much. Detroit Lakes, Minnesota, Frankfurt, AM, Maine, Hess in Cairo, just to name a few. But thank you so much for listening. It's so cool to see all these different locations listening. And I always think, what time of day are you listening? And what's going on in your world? It just makes me so happy. You guys are awesome. Now, this week's bourbon shout-out goes out to Kirsten, the basketball mom. And there you were, minding your own business, waiting for your son to be done, playing basketball. You had nowhere to go. And guess what? There I come up bug you about the show and movies. But hey, you were you were very nice, you were cordial, we bantered, it was fun, we talked movies and podcasts. So Kirsten, thank you so much, and I look forward to seeing you down the line and talking more. So Kirsten, this is for you. Cheers. And you may also know, this podcast comes from a TV show I do, like I said earlier. So what I do, I, t- I get rid of the video, and I just keep the audio. But making the TV version usually just takes a whole lot longer than doing a podcast because it's a lot more editing, finding interviews. So those shows sometimes take me five, six hours to do. So I always have tunes playing in the background. So it's kind of all over the place. I was in, my headspace was everywhere. I first started when some of the 80s hair bands, I went with Skid Row, Great White, Dokken, <laughs> Winger, Tesla. I was just pouring through all those 80s tunes. I was just like, oh, hey, I forgot about these guys. Oh, hey, I remember this song. Because I was making files, like you know, your playlists. And I was, you know, kind of sniping each each of their songs. Or, oh, I like this one. I like this one. That's why I was all over the place. And then I moved on to The Doors. And, man, they have some great ones. Especially their first album. Just priceless. It's just almost perfect. And then I almost went down their complete catalog. Not quite, but I kind of jumped around here and there. And then I was in the mood for Dire Straits, Brothers in Arms, 
if you haven't listened that to to that one in a while, give that one a go. Yes, it has like those four monster hits on it, which are phenomenal. But the other songs on there are so wealth, worth your time. They're more bluesy and just have a lot more oomph to them. Not taking anything away from those great songs from like So Far, so far Away From Me, Money For Nothing, and the other one that was big, One World. But give that rest of that album a shot. And then I went on to another album by Dire Straits, the album On Every Street. And that just has a great bunch of tunes too. And then I moved on to something even mellow. I moved on to the great Barry Manilow. Don't judge me. You know there's some songs you love by him. So I threw down some Barry. I think it's the ultimate Barry Manilow. Just one hit after another. And then I went another direction, because this episode took me quite some time to do. Then I threw down Roger Waters. He has so many great solo albums. We all know he's amazing from Pink Floyd, but his solo work is well worth your time visiting. Like his 1984 album, The Pros and Cons of Hitchhiking, the 1992 album, Amused to Death, and of course, Radio Chaos. And don't forget his latest album, Is This the Life We Want? (laughs) It's a great album. So that's what I listened to there. And then I moved on to the Rolling Stones. And I have my own little catalog, like I said, set up for them with all my favorite ones. So that's what I listened to making the TV version which becomes this. Well, that is it. My glass awaits. I'm thirsty. So cheers to you and to the movies. So until next time, be well, be good, and I'm gone. I'm Jeff. Thanks for listening to The Cinema Judge. (laughs) 